listener and welcome to the recommendation game i am orla mcginnis and i'm ricardo deacon <laughs> you are listening to double digital radio this is a bi-weekly film podcast where we take turns to recommend a film the other has not seen we watch it and then we meet to discuss it this week's film is kiss me deadly from 1955 good evening mr hammer how do you do ma'am how do i do Crazy. Remember me? Yeah. I feel so mean and broad. I'd rather have the blues than what I've got. Well, yesterday I was looking for a thread. Today I'm looking for a piece of string. And tomorrow, who knows, huh, Mr. Hammer? Mm, and gloomy. Detective Mike Hammer fights to solve the murder. <laughs> Fights to solve the murder of a beautiful hitchhiker with a mysterious connection to the mob. So, uh, this week's film was picked by Ricardo. Uh, Ricardo, tell us again why you wanted to pick this noir film. Well, um, because we're doing a noir season, at least in my <laughs> in my picks, because I suggested three movies for you. And you said that you couldn't decide between the three. And since I couldn't decide between the three either, uh, I did what all best uh, indecisive people do. Uh, just go for all of it. Um, yeah, like I think that this of the classic era of uh, noir is one of my favorite uh, because it does everything a film noir should do, in my view. Especially like if you're talking about like classic, you know, the next choice is going to be a, a, a noir from New Hollywood. So obviously taking it out of the original context because noir has such a... Similarly to the classic Western that uh, the genre was created in a very narrow time frame between mm-hmm. like 1940s to 1955 to 60, let's say. Uh, that... Uh, until because there were B movies, so they had to uh, usually they're like on location because they didn't have the money to create uh, sets. intricate sets, etc. But in a way, it's they've aged better than a lot of A movies because they're shot on location. <laughs> uh, they also have a, a certain level of uh, grit to them because they're the single light sources and stuff like that that they use were just to save time rather but then it's one of those things of like necessity yeah the of necessity Necessity is indeed the mother of invention yes that's the one and uh i think that with the exception of uh one character this movie that is incredibly annoying (laughs) vavavoom Oh fuck's sake! Um, boom. <laughs> that, no um, more boom. The like the exception of him, I think it is uh, as good as a uh, film noir will get, and I think it's a film that has aged incredibly well. The problem with a lot of noir films, and I think even detective movies in general, is that uh, the investigation itself is not interesting in a way. It's just mm. fucking. Oh, what is the character going to do, etc. But I think that this movie does a good job of going like step by step by step by step, uh, like actually depicting the uh, the the sleuthness of it all. Like, uh, uh, there's a lot of movies that 
pretend that the character is a good investigator, but then he just goes to one guy that gives him all the information, <laughs> and then it's like, oh, now there's a chase or something. Well, I also think that is uh, interesting. Like even the way that the character himself says that it's like you pull a. Well, yesterday I was looking for a thread. Today I'm looking for a piece of string. And tomorrow, who knows, huh, Mr. Hammer? You don't even know what you're looking for. I also like that the movie never gets to the part of being the rope. Is that the the what he's investigating is so big that he just gets closer and closer, but he never has the the complete answer to anything. But we're giving enough clues about what is happening to create an understanding ourselves. Mm-hmm. So like. Uh, you end up gaining a bit of um, of what you call it of like you end up uh, being rewarded by paying attention to the movie because you're given the the clues that you need to follow like him, but you, you're never the movie never has like the the fucking Disney villain moment that is like oh my camera let me just tell you exactly what my plan was for world domination that so many of these movies end up fucking it does, having <laughs> it does have like <laughs> your man we only ever see his shoes <laughs> oh yeah the doctor there's uh, a little bit of monologuing at the end with the Pandora's box thing though Oh yeah, like that's a a, a bit uh, uh, is as close as it gets to like beside the Baba Boom guy. Pandora once. <laughs> Never got to see a box though. But I think it's the, the like it's played to be like the even the guy that has the power of like a nuclear device is an absolute imbecile as well. <laughs> because yeah. I think that there's a lot of it in the movie. The idea, uh, because it's so much of it is about people not actually knowing what they're doing and it's just people with very limited power like uh, using that power for their own fucking play to try to feel good about the power that they do have the Mm -hmm. small bit of power so even the guy that is like oh i have the actual nuclear device he completely a miss uh underestimates uh, the the woman don't keep it in a locker either <laughs> yeah and uh, and also completely like underestimates what the device is and also how uh, in a way it is a metaphor to uh, nuclear Governments. arsenals in general that is like having the just having the bomb there uh, would in itself entail the discussion to should we use it or not use it and considering that this movie came out after the war in Korea, that for the whole duration of it, it was it was that weird period that America had the bomb, had a lot of bombs, fighting communists, and they knew that the communists had nuclear weapons, but not enough to kind of challenge the Americans. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's not like the the Cuba Missile Crisis that you'd have enough both sides would have enough. Um, nuclear tonnage to destroy the world a few times over but at this time there was still like a balance of power that america could decide to drop a nuclear weapon and be able to destroy soviet russia without the fear of retaliation so i think that a movie set in that time it's interesting how it approaches uh like nuclear the the idea of um 
nuclear weapons, but also how every character is almost uh, a one-for-one one metaphor of the United States in different, in different organizations without the United States, but in a very macro level. And uh, I, I really appreciate that the, it hasn't aged badly at all, especially because the United States hasn't changed at all in its foreign policy in the last, like, 55 years. It's no. like, oh, we'll... We'll try to make it work again. This time it will work. <laughs> Fuck it. And I think that like Mike Hammer is a very good. Uh, the him as a character is a very good analog for for the United States government in particular. Even how the film progresses, that at the in the beginning he portrays himself as somebody that is not really interested on the actual morality of something, but it's more interested, in the, curious about why certain things happened and then as it progresses he <laughs> starts pretending to care more as he uses that quote-unquote emotional response to things uh -huh. to actually uh, become and have the same method methods as the villains of the movie that there's like a, a certain uh a few reviews do uh, approach that saying that Mike is only the hero because he's slightly less bad than the bad <laughs> characters in the movie. And I think that that's a, a very interesting way that the director and the writer decided to approach how they see America, that it's this kind of like not even anti-hero, it's quasi-villain, mm -hmm. which I think it's... Uh, but it, I think uh, also as a movie, it's important that it just starts in the middle of the movie there's no kind of fluff about it it just starts and then it ends with the end of the world and it's like it's not a fluffy movie <laughs> no and i think it's also like a, a i think a lot of film noirs in particular because there's so many that the scenes are jumping from one character that you've never seen before to a new character that you've never seen before to a new character that you've never seen before I think it's very important to make those characters memorable and those scenes memorable. And I think that the the movie does achieve that. That you have like so many like small, small characters mm -hmm. that that are there like sometimes for less than twenty seconds. Like the the woman that runs the hotel where the opera guy <laughs> lives. It made so, me think of um uh in no country for old man we can't give out no information yeah like uh, or the you're wanting the steakhouse in uh, hell or high water steaks cooked medium rare can i get my steak cooked that just want a... no question oh yeah <laughs> it wasn't a question <laughs> So like you know like those movies obviously are uh, uh borrowing from the the a lot from this type of movie and in yeah. particular i'd say this movie because it's one of the better uh, the best at doing that that even like the gangsters are quite like uniquely they're not just generic gangsters you know <laughs> like there's a, a lot of weirdness in the movie which i quite appreciate uh memorable moment to moment i think that the cinematography is fucking fantastic as well like uh, uh what we were discussing before like uh the joker uh, uh oh, the how steps. I just yeah the steps and I was like that's a better one like cinematography is amazing but I also because of the location shooting like uh, I find it 
so incredible the places that they found like the those alleyways just underneath the the hill trolleys and stuff in the yeah. and stuff that i like things that i've never seen of the time uh i think that like it's always like the dialogue is, i think is incredible there's a very 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 narrow margin to get away when you're doing hard-boiled dialogue you either <laughs> yeah. get away with it or you don't and i think that this movie does get away with it like i love stuff like the maltese falcon or the big sleep but i think that the they are good because bogey is amazing like you take bogey out of it and the movie kind of collapses within like the the vapidness of the movie that even like famously somebody rang Raymond Chandler in the middle of making the big sleep to try to figure out what the book was about and like the the Raymond Chandler goes the fuck do I know like just do whatever you know um, it's pulp <laughs> and uh, I think that uh, Bogey is amazing and stuff but like I think that it's quite uh, interesting that they picked the most nondescript american kind of like you know like he looks like an action figure from the fucking 70s like or a cartoon you know mike hammer and i it is completely on purpose that it's like the idea of the american macho man you know like you you see him uh, mike hammer (laughs) yeah even the name and the the way in the beginning of the movie straight away like uh, the the character starts criticizing him on on many obviously like most uh movies the uh most movies of that area there's like some problematic issues with the portrayal of women Mm. but uh uh, we'll get to that (laughs) yes but i do think that it's kind of like interesting that the femme fatale of the movie is only there for the beginning of the movie per se that is like the the one that like heightens the flaws of the main character and is the person that he follows into the darkness let's say but it's somebody that makes so much of an impression within like 30 minutes or whatever like five minutes of the movie that is able to carry the the momentum across and i think in a way that a lot of it the movie is aware uh like that the the fucked up gender politics is more like the character rather than the movie. Uh, especially because even in the beginning, she she goes like, oh, there you're somebody that just takes, takes and takes. And you see that in the how he treats uh, his... The many circles of women around him. Mm, look at all the goodies. Secretary. Mm. Uh, and the way that he abuses his, her and kind of like... Uh, he's in the power dynamic that he knows that she's in love with him but so he he's able then to force her to do terrible things that even like the cops that are incredibly corrupt call him out on that dirt and when you watch it the first time you think like oh clearly he doesn't do that like uh, he's a better pi he's just a good detective and then it goes like will you sleep with this man kind of thing to the woman mm-hmm. so i think that the movie does know how terrible he is in that sense and also how um the blonde actress i can't remember her name because she the one that is meant to be the friend of the uh, one that disappears in the, the beginning true of the movie. femme fatale Yes, the, whenever he go, when he saves her and takes her to his apartment that she kisses him, he goes, oh, I get the point. That is mm-hmm. the idea that is like, oh, yeah, if she thinks that uh, if he 
has a sexual relationship with her, he's more likely to protect her and not give her up than if he's just doing it for the good of his heart kind of thing. So without uh, uh, further ado in ending this uh, quite hungover <laughs> ramble, uh, what did you think of uh, Kiss Me Deadly, Orla McNeely? Uh, I just want to start by um, shout out to Perry Mason, um, <laughs> the uh, the HBO show uh, with my. I Lewis. really want to to start watching it. Yeah, it's is uh, it good? It's it is. Yeah, it's uh, it's funny though. Like he's probably bringing more to it than the character actually has speaking of uh bogey but um like matthew reese is just fantastic and when you hear him talking about it um about how like he's usually having panic attack most of the time <laughs> i was like that's quite endearing but uh he's he's really good as that character like he's as good in this as he is in the americans but uh that show has a similar um issue to this uh which is kind of interesting considering that it's a modern version of the 30s um that it has a female character um as the like overworked secretary who's actually smarter than he is and blah 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 you know probably in love with him and he's you know only it it basically does it the exact same way that this film does um where she's just kind of wasted and (laughs) which is kind of disappointing because you're like have we got have we gotten nowhere really and like the girl who's, who plays her as well is fucking brilliant it was so disappointing but um that's enough on perry mason um i i, I thought this was fine um that's kind of it really i think i kind of started to like it more the more you were talking about it there um yeah it kind of ended and sort of left like no real impression on me um i was like oh okay oh <laughs> so i kind of i spent like because we watched this on friday so or thursday friday um so then i spent like the last day or so trying to work out why i was like why why did i find this like so kind of because i really like noir like i've been watching perry mason as well so i've kind of i'm in that headspace um uh, I'm not like blaming Perry Mason for this either because I don't think you know that they're they're different in a lot of ways as well. Like obviously that's a series and stuff, but um, it's a different crime. Um, but like the performances are good. Like well, uh, we'll get to the the men are good. Um, <laughs> like the, the the what's his name Meeker? He's really good. Um, like the script is good, the like fifties paranoia. I I love like the darkness of it. I love how there's just no one redeemable in this. Like you know, everyone is flawed or desperate or everything's so seedy and you know it's very Chinatown in the end as well, which I quite like. But um, yeah, it's too long. Um, for sure. I I don't understand why this is an hour and forty six minutes long. I I like I I wanted to be taught. I think is sort of what I wanted from it. And there are scenes that are so like effective. Like they are so like whenever he keeps going back to um uh is it the guy with the scar? Is the doctor who does he keep going back to? Um uh or whenever he's trying to get the key off the guy and he's just like, just give me the fucking key <laughs> He's just like he literally just picks the guy off and he's like, I don't have a time for this. Uh, no, just tell me about the key. He is just he's brute force. He's brute force. He's just like like um bullying he's a bull in a china shop, which I really, really like because 
you know, in, in saying that, there are moments when he almost seems a little bit omniscient, which is a little bit ridiculous. But uh, like whenever he just knows where the bombs are in his car, you're like, you know, I'm kind of enjoying that. There's a sort of a like Ocean's Eleven quality to it of like, you know, everything is just so, just so he knows exactly what's going on until he doesn't, which I kind of appreciate as well. Like he really is in over his head. The first bomb is almost like a, a, a joke, kind of like the way that it looks as a TNT. And the other one actually looks like a homemade bomb. So I thought that that was kind of interesting. Yeah. That is like, oh, no, like I, I liked it. I like how, you know, whenever he comes out in the morning, uh, you know, it's, it's really enjoyable. That's the thing is that like, I really like the first third of this film. Um, like it's, it's rips along and, you know, and you know that he's only, it's only going to go, go one way for him. Like he's hooked. He's hooked as soon as he get into the car. As soon as he like agreed to let her in. So funny though. What I love about the start of this is, um, like she's in fucking peril clearly, and he's just like, <sighs> you know, someone who thought that. <laughs> what did he? What does he say? Is like that no was spelt why he where spelt with three letters? Is that what he say says? Where somehow he manages to say it in a way that like both slut shames her as well as saying that like <laughs> the man has a shit hit. and he has another thing about saying no as well later on i was like god shut the fuck up but um <laughs> i do like that he's such a prick at the start to her like even though she's kind of getting under his skin as well where she's just like and calls about for who he is um but uh i also quite appreciate the uh the weird ass credits at the start as well <laughs> that are like backwards star wars that's so strange. Also, um, as you were talking about her being killed uh, at the very start of the film, um, the whole thing made me think of Psycho so much. Yeah. Like whenever they're in the car and like even the soundtrack a little bit as well um, and how she gets killed pretty much immediately in a really, really dark scene as well, like of how they kill her um, um, and how he's like lying on the ground and everything in the shoes and like there's real menace there that kind of collapses as the movie continues. It kind of, I feel like the villain becomes less intriguing the the more into this we go and i think at the end it was sort of disappointing because it sort of felt like the movie had like jumped the shark if that makes sense where <laughs> i think i kind of wanted the film to end in a sort of a chinatown sense of like which it sort of does or <sighs> in the end like there's nothing you can do and it was all for nothing and but the fact that they show you what it is and like it's not just that it's a noir and it's the 50s and it's really about nuclear war and nuclear arms and you know the stupidity of man and the folly and everybody's bad and stuff it's the fact that they show it to you and then in the end they like blow up the world and I was like but it's like a 50s noir it was already about that you know it felt like I, I like the idea of it us never seeing or really knowing what's in the box and the fact of although shout out to what's in the box <laughs> because I laughed so hard they kept saying that they kept saying that they also kept saying Mike Mike don't you know what you mean Mike Mike shut up uh, <laughs> there's an awful lot of me shouting shut up at the screen uh but we'll get to that um I do think like in the uh, coming to that point that you made about like uh jumping the shark uh, show in the end i think it's sometimes the the interesting thing of watching a movie in the context of its time rather than now because i think that mm. 
it was important for the filmmakers to actually hammer home the message that they were making. That is like, I think one of the points of this movie is like, nobody knows what they're doing. Yeah. Like, Which uh, I like, though. I do like that, definitely. I, I like the message of that. And I think that if the, the, it doesn't end with the end of the world, it just suggests that it's like at some point somebody can figure out, knows what they're doing or like can come into a decision or whatever about it, you know? They even the the thing of Mike knowing what's in the box decides to look for his secretary rather than close the box. Mm. Like uh, even that moment that you have a moment of like you can save the world, but you rather save the person you know and then obviously mm. the world still collapses because you didn't save the world. And I think that even though it is quite an out there ending for uh, it is. for like a, a film noir, I think that it's by a sheer surprise when I watched it the first time. I was into like watching a lot of old noir, like both like fucking classics, quote unquote, mm. and absolute pieces of shit that I just like found, you know, like I, I was in a buzz of watching it, almost trying to figure out that somebody you know like you tend to watch the best westerns of all time so you go like why are we not making westerns anymore and then you see like <laughs> westerns that were not quite terrible there movie. and you realize that it's a very high genre to get right it just happened that there were like a few really good directors that were working without that genre so you have a few good movies that came out but really like most of them come out of four or five directors when you th really think about it you know like if you get like the top 50 westerns probably like 90 percent of them would be like down to five directors but i think with noir like there's a more variety of directors that had a had a good go at it let's say that maybe like they had one really good noir movie but it gave me an appreciation when I watched this that I saw how boilerplate it had become. That mm. that then you have like people like Sam Fuller that did like the um, pick up on South Street. That he just does a boilerplate, but with such absolute Gosh. disdain of the America and everything that America stands for. That is like okay, you, you can. That, that film is so much more successful than this is. I think I'd like even though it's it's just sharper and like even like that film is more stagey than this is and i think works way better i do think that the but again it's like the conversation that i think that that movie it, it's really hangs on the shoulder both of sam fuller in a way but also the richard widmark is such a watchable yeah. character and i think that like making mike hammer such a like fucking dour fuck that is like there's no redeeming char characteristics about him. Like he's interesting in a way. Like he's not a boring character, and he's watchable enough to to follow along. Like I I didn't feel boring bored by by him as a character. But at the same time, he has none of the charisma that a Richard Widmark or mm. a Bogey would have. So you forgive a lot of those characters' flaws. Because 
like it's Richard Widmark hitting that woman is like no. you know like he yeah. he does it uh. char- <laughs> he does it charismatically it's a that actually makes me think so much of um have you ever watched any of Veronica Mars um, uh no but like I do which is like uh strong it's it's fucking great it's really really good it's like teen noir it's, it's meant it's, to be the the, the good version of brick let's say <laughs> like brick but yeah fuck fuck brick in comparison to product comparison. like it's all over the place it's still very early noughties and like so much of it has not aged well but there's a main character in that who's kind of the main love interest throughout the the show um and he's an asshole and like throughout up until like they they rebooted it again um that sounds bad but it was actually great to do a four season this like last year and it's really really good and he's kind of like oh he's perfect now but um he's a terrible person like he does really bad things often to Kristen bell's character but i've been listening to a podcast um where they they're like watching it's kind of like a west wing weekly style uh rishi's actually on it sometimes because it's on uh it's on uh radiotopia but um yeah they to listen to them bend themselves backwards trying to like oh but but logan is i mean he's terrible but but oh he's he's you know he's so troubled you know and you're like oh no he's such a prick but he's so handsome has so much chemistry with her and like you know and these they don't they don't forgive the show anything else because like it's like gender politics are fucked it's like lgbt everything is you know it's it's very 2005 but it's funny how when someone is just so charismatic and so like you just you it's it kind of makes you think of someone like don draper as well and how because john ham plays that character so well and because like he's so well drawn and all the characters around him are so well drawn that like he kind of gets away with things even whenever he's an awful person <laughs> it, uh, i did actually think of um of uh, Don Draper as well kind of because he sort of has a similar apartment whenever he uh, he moves out whenever he breaks up with Betty um, and also the kind of like the, the blank slateness of, of Don Draper that there's really nothing behind him yeah. he's, you know, he's completely fabricated his his personality and it's so 1950s in the way that like the main character in this is just like a shell <laughs> there's like nothing to him <laughs> i fucking love the the old-fashioned uh, uh tape recorder the, oh, the answering yeah. machine in your absence there have been no calls <laughs> which probably seemed really futuristic <laughs> at the time yeah <laughs> also like imagine in 1955 to ring somebody and like a fucking robot answers you you're like the fuck is this the whole concept of like operator and everything is is fascinating. Um, yeah, like uh, there's a whole like section of like Mrs. Maisel. Have yes. You watched? Oh my yeah. god. Yeah. Oh, I love that show so much. I haven't um, got to season three yet, but like the the first half of season two, Mrs. Maisel was awful, but the second half was really good. Oh, like, the guy. She. Yeah, I love the guy that uh, she dates. It's so. I love what that show is like. He's so good in Shazam he, as well. Like. Uh, oh, I love that guy. Um, um, I mean, there there are massive, massive problems with Mrs. Maisel, but I love it so much because it's so fucking charming and it's so well shot and the fucking production design. But uh, I love that 
Joel just becomes a better and better character as well yeah. as it goes on. He becomes more and more interesting, which I really like, and that he's not just there as like an antagonist or whatever. Well, in a way, it's the similarly why it's the problem because like Midge in the beginning of season two, like <laughs> in the beginning, she'd be like, oh, just like somebody that has flaws but is interesting. But like at the beginning of season two, I was like, shut the fuck up so many times. Uh, holding my You're hand. You're awful. You absolute rich bitch. Like, fucking. <laughs> I know. I just don't understand the world. I'm just so privileged. Oh, just um, imagine, like, uh, back in the day when you could just be like, just a tenured professor and be, like, absolutely <laughs> fucking loaded. <laughs> like, Buckingham Palace? <laughs> I love that one, too. She's, like, in the part of the first time where she's just, like, yeah, hands her mouth and she's like, what the fuck is that? But yeah, like uh, going back to this movie, like I, I, um, I like like I I still stand by my my <laughs> like uh, like I do think that it's like like sometimes we say that it's the product uh, product of its time. That obviously mm. like the way that it portrays gender politics is like it's not great for today's standards, but for like film noir yeah. of the nineteen fifties, it's, it's pretty good egregious. kind of thing. Yeah, but yeah. like. Uh, and, uh, that's the thing is that like film noir is like they did have strong female characters and i think part of the problem here as well is that it's not just um the characters are a bit thin and that they're kind of tropes but then again this is from a genre that created those tropes so it's kind of okay uh well okay but like understandable it's the performances are not great like um especially the girl who's pretending to be the friend she's terrible and again like all oh, the mike 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 i just love how every woman is like mike and then like immediately kisses him i'm just like oh so much time could be taken out of this movie just taking out all the women look that they're like weird like oh, yeah. 1950s rubbing their faces against each other kissing. the the one that uh, kisses him whenever he gets to the 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 sister of the the of the oh. fucking millionaire of the I mafiosi friends and he's like you just need to learn how to say no slut it's like <laughs> yeah but like at the same time fucking in a way it's kind of the the yeah. like it, it's so odd as well that it made me like interested about her characters like why would you do yeah. something like this and i think it then in it feels like the part of like the coop the, how cooped up she is with like these weirdos as well that your yeah. man hangs around with but at the same time I don't think that like there'd be room there to develop that but I don't think it does it, the, the movie does go there and I don't think that the director yeah. gave a shit about going there to begin with yeah. I have lots of friends no, but you have I, I'm not hard to get along with really I'm not I can be a very good friend You'll be my friend. What do I have to do? You want to be a, a close friend. Ask me something. And no matter what it is, the answer is yes, huh? Maybe. Let's see how good you are at spelling. Can you spell the word no? N-O. Spells no. That's a good girl. Now you practice saying that. Because one of the best ways to be friendly is to know when to say no. I don't mind the tangents. Like it, it made me think of something like LA Confidential, or whatever they go to um, 
uh, Pierce Patchett's house and yeah. like Pierce Patchett he's so slippery and it's this big gilded mansion in the hills and you know it's so creepy and kind of tinged with a sort of a like um like Manson sort of murders like just looming over the horizon kind of thing you know but uh yeah I don't know it's just yeah well again maybe think of Don Draper in that episode whenever he goes off at that weird like kind of like cult family yeah um do you remember that? i love that show so much where it's like i love how they portray the uh the differences between like new york and la as well it's so well done so whenever they get there and they're like it's so hot i hate this and don like passes out oh yeah like you're also considering how much they fucking drink like the thought yeah. of waking up hungover in like 40 degree heat like oh no i do i was wondering earlier i was writing my notes and i was, I was like i kind of sometimes whenever i write my notes i start to like because it's it's the best way that i process a film is to start just to write down and like go through what i write down when i'm watching it and everything and like to try and think about what i really thought of it and uh i was like you know it all it all comes out in the wash then of like all the, the different things that i had with ends and all that stuff and they all kind of come together and i'm like okay i kind of yeah sort of but the more i was like i started to wonder if um it's almost that if I watched this like five years ago, would I have been like, you know, oh, it's so dark and like, yeah, the Cold War and man, this film is so bleak. And like, I watched this and I don't know, I was almost just like, so, <laughs> like, yeah. Well, like, I suppose <laughs> that after, I, I suppose the in the in the <laughs> scheme of things in the run that we've had. After I'm not your Negro and on the record, this is pretty lightweight. Maybe, yeah. And also considering that it's like, yeah, the movie ends with at least America being destroyed, perhaps the entire world. And the longer it goes along, I'm like, is that such a bad thing? Just wipe us out now. Should we have the quick ending instead of the like? <laughs> can I can we burn out instead of fading away? Did you? Uh, oh yeah, uh, something that we didn't did, uh, mention is that the, the movie actually had the truncated ending originally. Not originally, like when they got released oh. to DVD and stuff. It, it just ended with uh, Mike looking for Ava, Vera. Oh, Varda. Varda. For Mike looking for Varda inside the house, and then the house blows up from outside. There wasn't the section of oh. him, of them coming out or whatever. So, oh. because like this, like the other version gives like no, no, hope no hope at all. And this one is you like radiation poisoning from everybody, yes. <laughs> including anyone who was in that fucking building. It's like the Hollywood, uh, what it's like athletic club. I yeah. don't know if he just knew what that was as well. Um, it's like that poor dude. He's just standing there. He's he's dead. Like <laughs> oh, when your man broke the record. Oh, like the some of the cinematography is just so striking. Oh, like that. It's that's very well shot. That staircase that he has to go down from one of the flats, and there's like the shadows yeah. on the side. It's very striking. Um, it's beautiful. And I think even like every room, whenever they're shooting, the production design is pretty great at making like different kind of environments. Uh, like I, I love the scene in the bar as well. Like there's a really lived in mm. feel to a movie that is completely heightened. But like the bar that he goes drinking and I love that he, he says. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Or sorry, go on. And I love that he gets to say. Pour me a whiskey and leave the bottle. 
Uh, that's my dream. I want to have enough money to just do that. And like, probably not even finish the bottle. Just, just want to say it, you know, like be able to to get away with it. But also in Ireland, they will be like, oh yeah, but here's the measure thing, so we can calculate how many measures you had. It's like the fuck. Um, uh, I do want to say just before we uh, conclude that. Uh, um, it's actually kind of progressive in a lot of ways in like considering because I was thinking about that I was like, it's 1955 and there's a lot of like allusions to sex in this like like very like not not subtle like considering that they're like you know they're they are movie kissing I'm um, sorry I'm, I'm smashing my yeah. fists together in a like 1950s kissing um, but that it's like they talk very like like directly about sex which is kind of crazy you think it's 1955 or even that like um like you know the, the, the bartender he talks to and stuff as well and there's like named black characters and stuff I was like that's and also there's a lot of like foreign actors playing foreign characters and clearly yeah. doing it like uh even if it's uh, of course with the exception of vavavoom and nick <laughs> vavavoom uh, I mean, he was awful, but I did. I was quite sad whenever he's like there holding his hand, and I was like, "Oh, it's so bleak as well that they show you that." Like, it's very good. But it does miss the opportunity. That I think it would have been so funny if, like, he got to say, like, the, as somebody's holding his hand, and they, <laughs> he gets to have final words and could just say very slowly and weakly. And I just want a Mr. Turner tongue out. <laughs> <laughs> we haven't had we haven't had a, an on screen death like that in a while. Um, but uh, any final thoughts? But even like the, the like the, like watching it this time, there was a lot of things that I picked up. Even how much of this influenced Hitchcock? Mm. Uh, because like obviously Hitchcock was making movies since the Silent Era, but like his actual modern style is really like 46 to like 61 or something until the birds probably like mm. because then like the the last three movies the iron court and topaz and ah what's the, la- the name of the, the his last british movie the it's quite good but i can't remember too much about it which is also like a kind of film noir but it's like way dirtier in a way because it was just after the production code died so he just took the opportunity Mm. to be as sleazy as possible so like uh, (laughs) I think it's about serial killer that kills people by choking them with ties and stuff but it's actually like there's like a quite a that's so Hedgehog there's like a quite funny scene that he's transporting a body but he is trying to like take the tie because he realized that the he left the tie in the neck of the person and the tie has his name on it. And the woman is in a potato sack in the back of a truck. And he has to like crawl into the potato sack to get to the neck because her head is on, like her feet are on the exit side of the sack, let's say. It's a really weird movie. But going back to... On the exit side of the sack. My brain is mush today. <laughs> Just be glad that they're like interconnected English words, okay? <laughs> but uh, that like so like, but even like uh, Spielberg, you, you see some bits of Spielberg in this. Uh, for example, mm. the 
using the shoes and the trousers to signify a character that way really mm. is mirrored in E.T. that like Peter Coyote is uh, initially just portrayed by like his jingling keys. Like mm. he has like one of those like dad like American dad <laughs> thing, you know the, the little hook on the belt. The, the, you're not allowed to have that unless you have offspring. Um <laughs> And a minivan. Yeah, like a fucking... <laughs> and fishing gear. <laughs> and, and like a cooler. And some sort <laughs> of hobby that you fucking uh, withdraw to to leave your wife to deal with the mess that you've created. But... <laughs> but yeah, like... Or... Yeah, like the... I think the... It is a... Like, again, I think it's a movie that is aged... Especially, like, how... F- how it was filmed like you were saying the mm. the sam fuller one it's quite like there's even like your mom falling down the steps it reminds me of the exorcist even mm. how that's it's framed you know like the end of exorcist your mom jumps yeah. out the, wi- the window and falls down the steps and i think that um, so much of it is i don't know sometimes if i read too much into the movie like alex was like why does your man try to kill him again like when he failed so badly the first time? Yeah. And I'm like, probably because he's more afraid of coming back with failure <laughs> than dying sometimes, you know? like, uh, and, uh, yeah. and I do like the, like the narrative, uh, like how much the cops know were involved. How much are they like relating to Russia? How many are like double agents <laughs> and stuff? And uh, your mother plays the main cop, the place Pat. Uh, his, uh, like, he reminds me so much of Roger Sterling. I don't know if it is just, like, the white hair or whatever, but it's, there's there's a certain, like, yeah, re- like sleaziness about him. That it's, uh, he has great lines, though. <laughs> I'm revoking your private investigator's license. Also, your gun permit. If I catch you snooping around with a gun in your hand, I'll throw you in jail. I do want to give a shout out to uh, Varda's ballet studio in her house. <laughs> like, with a stripper pole as well in the middle. Like. She's like full on dancing for him at one point. And she's like, oh God. I was like, she is so underserved. It's like, she's delivering all this great information that she went out and got. And it's like, oh, oh, Mike. Oh, Mike. And you're like, God, he's awful, Varda. Go elsewhere. <laughs> and she's always sweaty. Varda's always sweaty. I noticed that, like, not just when she's, like, been exercising, uh, but also just in general. <laughs> like, Varda needs a wash and to also get the fuck away from him. But, uh, yeah, what a weird movie. Um, <laughs> I kind of like the idea of people listening to this who haven't seen it, which is probably most people. Um, <laughs> I just think, like, what is this film? And also consider it like the uh, like I said in the beginning of the uh, the bad sleep well that mm. no a good noir also has to have a badass title the, like any other type of movie wouldn't get get away with it and kiss me mm-hmm. daddy especially because it's actually not like so many noirs has just like fucking you know kiss kiss bang bang doesn't mean anything fucking just words or whatever great film though. Yeah, and I like how it plays on like Raymond Chandler and stuff, especially like the, even the, how we, every chapter is the name of a Raymond Chandler novel. So it kind of like really uses its um, influences on its sleeve. But I think for like Kiss Me Deadly is one of the few titles that like it actually like he kisses her. 
she's like, oh, come kiss me. And then shoots mm. him when he gets closer. So it actually has a correlation rather than it's like, <laughs> you know, the 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 big sleep. What does that? Yeah. Dying. There you go. <laughs> the big what's it? Yeah. Like uh, the, the Maltese Falcon. Yeah, it's a Falcon. It's like, you know, but there's so many that it's like, farewell, my sweet. And it's like. <laughs> Yeah, that's bad, that's, but like you just wrote like a random line that somebody would write, you know, or out of the past. Sounds more like a time traveling movie than like. Double Indemnity is a great title. Yeah, that, that's pretty good. Uh, <laughs> like, unfortunately, with, about Double Indemnity is that it's never been able to look past Barbara Stanwyck's absolutely awful hair. Like, uh, <laughs> I just can't, like, it's too distracting. Sorry. Oh, I need to look this up. We watched that in college. Yeah, we did. Like, she has a fucking... Looks like a fucking roller that is just, oh, like, God, resurfacing. Yeah. Resurfacing oh, a fucking God. motorway or something. Like, uh... I forgot about that. What I kind of like about noirs is that usually the women are not attractive. Um, they're just, like, sultry. Yeah. <laughs> they're just, like, highly sexualized and have great clothes. But, like, I don't think any of the women in this movie are attractive. <laughs> like, they're all kind of weird looking. <laughs> Oh, God, her hair is so bad. Fuck, I forgot about that. That's hilarious. Like, it's impossible to look past it. It's like every scene that she's there, like, going, like, being sultry, as you say. And I'm like, get that fucking George Washington head out of your fucking face. But, George Washington. Yeah, what's uh, your, your, George Washington's coming home. That's fucking Franklin. Uh... What's your favorite thing about this uh, movie? Um, probably the dialogue. Um, there's some just real crisp, crisp lines in this. Um, and like, I do think that if we took out all the like stupid women throwing themselves at him, um, just just in order to like shoehorn in the title, I don't know. Um, I think this would be a better off movie, but. Uh, there are i mean like there there's some great like um conversations even with um with varda as well like whenever he comes back into the hospital or when he's in the hospital and like their their quips back and forth you're never around when i need you you never need me when i'm around the cop whenever uh he comes in and he like pours himself a drink and then as he's leaving he just hands him the glass like oh if only i could be so cool in real life um with no context as well. I want to start doing stuff like that just to confuse people. Yeah, just be a dick, basically. And uh, <laughs> yeah. you, like, I, I think it would take like a very special person to be able to get away with it. You know, like it's <laughs> part of the reason why I like how like seedy and terrible some noirs are because everybody behaves that way. Because mm. like Dawn is kind of interesting in Mad Men going back to it because he's the only one that gets away with it. You know, like everybody else gets called out and they're but like with noirs it's just like oh just be terrible to each other who gives a shit be nihilistic be whatever like who cares society doesn't exist as fucking margie thatcher <laughs> the world used to say. is dark <laughs> let's reflect it in black and white uh what was your favorite thing uh i think the uh dialogue and how pessimistic the movie is uh, mm. um Especially for the the, the movie, like I actually do think that like the pessimism of a lot of media at the time actually had uh, 
a positive effect on American society mm. in a way because I think that the ultra optimism of the 40s and like fucking John Wayne movies and all that shit kind of created the environment that America hasn't come out from because before mm. they felt like before World War Two, it's kind of like uh, it's always been like a country that almost achieved its uh, its promise but never did and then they believed the lie that they became the greatest generation and the greatest country in after the World War Two, and that they were like the perfect society and every, anybody mm. else that thinks differently are a shower of cunt. So like, uh, what was your least favorite thing? <laughs> Mike, 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 oh Mike, 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 oh God. Well, I don't know if it's that or Baba Boom. Um, <laughs> for some reason, I kept thinking of um, uh, "Here Come the Boings." <laughs> oh yeah, I'm, uh, fucking uh, um, uh, citizen to... with a like Ennio Morricone. Unfortunately, uh, yeah, he only he only just uh, he only just died. Um, but uh, I I still stand by that soundtrack and that movie. Although also I'm um, just brief shout out to uh, Seconds, which was also a film I thought a lot about, um, particularly in the end, as this became suddenly a sci-fi movie. I was like, huh. Um, similar era and paranoia as well. But um, yeah, I think probably the the female characters. It was just like, uh. <laughs> yeah, I think that the the only like actual problematic female character is the one that like just kisses him when he gets to the gangster house. I yeah, think the so the bizarre. other more like a matter of performance and like mm. annoying dialogue at times. Let's yeah. say like you're saying because like I, I think that uh, Vard is like an interesting character by her, yeah. in, in itself, even if I do agree that it's like wasted to a certain extent. But at the same time, it is. A movie, 1955. 1955 movie, so. But I think that it's like the Vavavum guy is my least favorite thing. It's like, is it like fucking Alex is like, I'm so happy that Super Mario got killed. <laughs> oh, I love Alex. Oh, uh, <laughs> was so good. Uh, he was just, oh God, it was so bad. And I think that it's also like, not only you're like completely annoying, you're like, really misogynistic and you can tell that he was the one dude that is like an american portraying a foreign guy like everybody else is like italian or like greek or whatever you know the like it's slightly heightened you know like the opera guy is slightly heightened but you you kind you really feel for him when fucking mike breaks the fucking collector item record so mean because like he he bright like lights up when he starts talking about it and then it's just like like oh it's a broken record but yeah like uh is that caruso's il pagliacci um i was gonna say yeah um i did enjoy it it uh it made me think of so many things which is always enjoyable obviously things that came after this um but i thought the the perry mason one was definitely interesting because like that like it, that perry mason like it's it's obviously owes nothing other than like the name to the original perry mason but uh it's it's very well done and it's very like like goodness gracious i'd like somebody to make a a, a fucking uh remake of colombo but at the same time it's like you can't <laughs> replace him like <laughs> is that colombo uh wings of design yeah it's so good 
Uh, anyways, yeah, that was Kiss Me Deadly. Uh, so next week's it. film is chosen by Orla. It is Shoplifters uh, from last year. Shoplifters the one. Last year, I think. Last yeah. year, I feel like it won the Pandora can. Anywho, uh, where can they find us, Ricardo? They can find us on Facebook, uh, The Recommendation Game, on Twitter, at The Recommendation Game, on Mondays, every second Monday on Dublin Digital Radio 11 to 12, Dublin Digital Radio Mixcloud, and your podcaster of choice, and Yay. all the good things. Excellent. Well, until two weeks from two now. Two weeks' time. <laughs> I was over to be And I was Ricardo Deacon. Thanks for listening. See you next week, or the week after. Bye. Bye.